Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Charlotte Hornets fans, it is I, Darian Thomas, the host of the Trust the Buzz podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. And in today's episode, we're going to be giving a preview of the next two games and talking a little bit about the last two games because the podcast episode before this, the Charlotte Hornets were going on, uh, they were part of their road trip. Uh, They were going to Indiana and going to Dallas, but we know the results of those games. So we'll be briefly talking about those and then talking about the must win games against the Washington Wizards that are coming up. One is today on Wednesday, November 8th, and the other one will be Friday. What is that? Friday, November 10th. So let's go ahead and get into it. All right. So speaking for the games that happened already, first, we'll talk about the Indiana Pacer game. That game, I did not get to watch much of it. I was actually just out of the house and just was unable to watch it. But I was able to watch like the last two minutes. And from what I saw, the team was playing hard. And kind of when I went back and watched a little bit of it, like through NBA League Pass, the, the energy of the team was different. Yes, we lost Terry Rozier, but Guys were stepping up. I was seeing Brandon Miller guard Tyrese Halliburton, which it seemed like, at least the time I watched, it seemed like it did slow down Tyrese because he was going crazy uh, before that. He went from having like zero points to 30 points in a hurry. Um, And I think that Brandon Miller just did a good job of being on him, at least in the time I saw. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, But at least from what I saw, putting Brandon Miller on Tyrese Halliburton was was a good switch. And then speaking of a switch, at the end of the game, as I believe the Pacers were down one, maybe two. I don't quite remember, but uh, they basically tried to get the switch off Brandon Miller on to get Tyrese to get LaMelo. And uh, LaMelo was not having a good shooting game, even though he did hit a couple of threes at the end there, uh, which that's kind of been his thing uh, as of late. You know, he kind of hits it when it matters the most. Um, Yeah, they got the switch that they wanted, but LaMelo played, I think, pretty good defense um, on Tyrese Halliburton and was able to poke the ball free, and that sealed the game. So LaMelo locked up Tyrese to seal the game for the Hornets to win that game. And I think that for someone that's hard on LaMelo and people think it's hate, or it's or it's, I'm listening to the media because I, I hear all those kind of things if I ever say anything bad about LaMelo. But sometimes it's a matter of you are going to be hard on the player you believe in the most. And LaMelo is the player I believe in the most on this team. Um, I, I mean, of course, he's a young player. Of course, there are going to be some things he could do better. Um, but I'm never going to uh, be hard on him just for the sake of being you know, difficult towards him or try to hate him or whatever the case may be. I... I Outside of Hornets fandom, I probably defend him more than anybody, you know, uh, when it comes to talking to teams of other fans and whatnot. I defend LaMelo, um, but I'm also going to be the first one to admit if he's done something stupid or poorly or whatever the case may be. And that's kind of what it's been this season, in my opinion, is that I don't think 
LaMelo's lacking any talent. I don't there's nothing I've seen this year that's like, oh, he hasn't gotten better at this, or he's or he doesn't do this, or anything like that. It, it has never, never, ever been talent related with LaMelo. It's always just been uh decision making and effort. That has kind of been the biggest thing. Like sometimes, you know, he will lose the ball. And this is previous years, of course. In this particular scenario, he'll lose the ball and just foul just because he lost the ball. Um, if someone will get by him, he'll foul just because they got by him. And he still does it a little bit. It's just not as bad as it's been in years past. But it is something he's getting better at. But those are decision-making things. It has nothing to do with your skill set. It has nothing to do with how good of a player I think you are or will become. That has everything to do with mental. And that's kind of just always been my biggest thing with him is that sometimes I feel like he just throws himself out of the game. But I, I will say this season, I feel like he's done a pretty decent job of keeping himself in the game uh, if he's not shooting well or or if he messes up. However, I will say that his shot selecting has been a little poor when it comes to the three-point line. And I know people are like, you wouldn't say anything if he was hitting it. 100%. I, I wouldn't. I, I know LaMelo as a player, he takes those difficult shots. And I've said this, and so there's no need for me to keep going. But I know that he takes difficult shots. I understand that's what he does. However, when the game is close, when we're trying to get back in the game, I just feel like that is not the time, especially when in certain times we have people hitting. And speaking of that particular scenario, then that's where we can move into the Dallas Mavericks games, where I think the Charlotte Hornets did an excellent job coming out the gate with a lot of energy. They were up 15 for a good, good portion uh, of the game, and the uh, Dallas Mavericks were just able to come back and seal that victory, which they end up doing their next game. They end up doing a very similar thing um, against the Orlando Magic, where the Orlando Magic was up for a good portion of the game, and Dallas Mavericks were able to just come back and, and seal that game as well. But in relation to the Charlotte Hornets game, I think that, like I said, the starters played well. I mean, you know, we're missing Terry. I don't really count missing Miles yet because we haven't seen him come. He hasn't. It's not like he's played and then now he's gone. So, um, you know, that will be a boost when he comes back. But as of right now, I'm not going to count that as him missing. Uh, but I think we did a good job. Like, I think Brand- they put Brandon Miller on Luka Doncic early. Luka Doncic was getting frustrated. Luka Doncic wasn't getting the shots that, you know, he typically gets. And the thing with him is that you really can't guard him. Uh, if that if that makes any sense, I know it sounds crazy. There's very few players in this league that you can't guard. To me, Luca is one of those players. He thrives and he gets his energy off hitting those difficult shots, and he just does. Like he just hits them. There's I don't know if there's a science behind it, but that's just what he thrives off of. He th- it's it's very rare that you see Luca wide open, and a lot of that is because he's so talented. Um, but very rarely he's 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 usually taking a difficult shot, but he he makes those. Brandon Miller made it extremely difficult for him to make those shots. Um, he like I said, he was getting Luca frustrated. Uh, Luca was complaining about fouls. That's one thing. That's probably my biggest gripe with Luca. As much as of a Luca fan I am, as far as his game, it's it's annoying. You know, sometimes I kind of. Uh, for lack of a better word, childish he can be when it comes to getting fouled. And there's other players like that's another thing. If I say something about a player, it doesn't mean he's the only one that does it. I know that people for some reason always take that and say, oh, you're only saying it. You're saying about this player. What about this guy? What about this guy? Well, the Hornets aren't playing that guy. <laughs> like the Hornets aren't playing these other guys that that may apply to. They're playing this particular person right now. So, yeah, with Luca, that's kind of just one of my biggest gripes with him. But. Brandon Miller, like I said, was getting frustrated. He was not letting Luka get any easy shots. And while Luka normally doesn't take easy shots, I still think Brandon Miller did an excellent job of just defending um, Luka and just and just making the whole offense kind of struggle. Uh, but the thing was, we were getting killed by Tim Hardaway Jr. and Grant Williams, which 
very Charlotte Hornets fashion because Kyrie hasn't even really taken off yet and had like the Kyrie game yet. Um, he's definitely had plays, but he just hasn't, you know, ascended into what we normally see from Kyrie as far as like a consistent basis. Um, and so we were getting killed, like I said, by guys like uh, uh, Hardy, Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr., Grant Williams, typical Charlotte Hornets fashion where we can kind of stop the key guys and just let the other guys beat us. Um, and, and so that that's always frustrating. But as a team, I think we played well. Uh, Gordon started off the game very high. LaMelo was struggling. Uh, Brandon Miller was not hitting, but like I said, he was playing great, great defense on Luka Doncic. Um, and then PJ was also hitting as well. And then Mark Williams was kind of getting whatever he wanted in the paint. Um, the game, Where the game really started to fall apart was the third quarter. And to be honest, it wasn't that the Mavs were so much better than us. It was that one, we we took out our starters for a very long time. Like we had uh Tail Maladon, uh, JT Thor, guys like that. Nick Richards, they were they were out there. Um no one that could really hit. It was kind of more of our defensive lineup. Um and I, I it's crazy because if you look at like the stats, the plus minus, it's probably terrible. I haven't looked at it, but just based on knowing how plus minus worked, it probably was terrible. But if you watch the actual game, there were so many fouls called, and that's because Bill Kennedy once again strikes. Um, we had he he was the same ref uh, that we had for the Detroit Pistons game. We saw how the fouls went for there, and I know people are like, "Why are you complaining? The Pistons had more fouls than y'all." It was to the Pistons were the way the Pistons were playing in that game that you had to call a foul on some of the stuff they were doing. It was just a lot of the minor stuff they were doing. They weren't getting a foul called on them, but we were. The fouls they got were like so egregious that they just absolutely had to call it. But like the hand checking and all these other things that, you know, I personally don't have a problem with. But if you're going to call it, call it both ways. If you're not going to call it, don't call it both ways. And they were not calling it for the Pistons, calling those same exact things for the Hornets. So that's what was so frustrating about that. Those 28 fouls, I believe, that the Pistons had, they earned every single one of those fouls. Um, the, the, the ones that they called were ones that were blatant fouls. Um so that, that tells you how much they were getting away with, considering the Hornets had a lot of fouls in key moments, and they were doing a lot of the same things that the Pistons were doing. But anyway, um, it's very similar to this game. I don't think that the Mavs were just as egregious as the Pistons were, but there were some things that should have been fouls, and they, they weren't fouls. Um, but as far as the Hornets, we were getting everything, every single thing called on us. There was one possession, if I remember correctly, there was like three to four fouls called on that one possession. And I think Eric Collins mentioned on the on the broadcast, like the first eight minutes of the third quarter or something like that, we had no team fouls. And then in that one possession, we got three to four. So it was pretty insane. Uh, the whistle was definitely in the mass favor, but at the same time, the Hornets were still in the game. That, that defensive lineup that I was telling you about, like I said, they could not score, but – they did. They struggled. They struggled to really even get a bearing set just because of the fact that everything was being called on them. It wasn't even like the Mavs were just playing this immaculate offenses, hitting all these shots. The foul up until the um, fouls, we were actually hanging in there. I mean, we were losing our lead a little bit, which I guess, you know, they were slowly chipping away at it. But without the fouls, I think that lineup would have been able to hold on long enough for the starters to come out there. However, this, this is where some fault falls on Steve Clifford, in my opinion. He waited way, way too late to bring back the starters, to bring back any variation of the starters back into the game. And I get it. Uh, once again, in this case, we could say you're missing you're missing Miles, who, you know, would help with that as far as the, the talent gap. If Because let's say Miles don't start for whatever reason. We're just spitballing here. If Miles doesn't start, 
he comes off the bench, the talent gap is 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 a lot smaller, you know, than you know putting JT Thor out there uh, for ten minutes or however the case may be in the third quarter. Uh, so it, it will help. And missing Terry I also that 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 also would help. So the starters just sat out so long because they he wanted those guys to get that rest because like I said, we're missing. We don't have Miles. We don't have Terry. Um, so I feel like that could possibly be better in the future as far as just not have we will have some people to bring in in the meantime until like you know everybody gets ready uh but as far as this game you're like i said you're missing terry specifically um so it is going to be a little you know you need your bench to do a little more uh even though you're moved up brandon miller to the starting lineup you don't that's normally where brandon miller would come in and kind of you know be the offensive guy for that lineup and also be able to help defensively but Considering now he was part of the starting lineup and everybody else was resting as well, you don't really, you didn't really have anybody to score. And I think that that was the biggest part was why, even though it was slow as far as the, the Dallas Mavericks being able to chip the lead away, we weren't able to, you know, really slow it down because we weren't able to score. And like I said, all the fouls. But Steve Clifford, I think he set those guys ways too long. I get it. You wanted them to be ready for the fourth quarter, but it ended up to me hurting just because one, the Mavs were able to come back and get it within two, or I think maybe they even had to lead um, before the starters came back in. And then also just going to my next point in the fourth quarter, Gordon Hayward was cold. He was extremely, extremely cold. Uh, he could he couldn't hit a shot to save his life. Um, luckily, Lamelo took off, and that that allowed us to kind of stay in the game for the longest time until that dreadful inbound play, which we will talk about. Um, but Gordon Hayward was extremely cold, and it's not to just get on him, um, because I do feel like there were some coaching mistakes as well in that in in that fourth quarter, but. Gordon Hayward was hot all fourth quarter. He was almost ball hogging. And it's, there was some times where it's like, oh, why are you taking a turnaround shot? And I know that's the Gordon Hayward shot, but he was kind of hitting it. Uh, you know, it, he was hitting it at a decent enough clip to where you're like, okay, this is fine. But still, you did want more guys to kind of be involved just because of the fact that, if anything, I know the Gordon Hayward magic runs out at some point. We've seen Gordon Hayward long enough where sometimes he'll have games like this and then it'll slowly dwindle away. Um, and this was one of those games. And I I feel like personally it was because he was just on the bench so long. I don't think it had anything to do with him just missing. Uh, even, even though, I mean, obviously that's part of it because he was missing. But I do feel as though him being on the bench as long as he was, that, that, that really hurt. Because by the time they brought him in, like I said, the Mavs basically had to lead. Gordon Hayward was wide open on, on some attempts and just couldn't hit. It got to the point where... They were leaving him open and he still couldn't hit. And then it got to the point where he was scared to even put it up when he was open. So then that hurt us even more. Like I said, luckily, LaMelo was just going crazy. He was able to finish at the basket. He was able to do some circus shots, you know, typical LaMelo fashion. He was able to hit some threes to kind of really stretch out the defense um, and allow other guys to kind of find pockets. And the issue was, though, like I said, Gordon Hayward was just struggling so bad, is that up until this point, like I said, Mark Williams was – in the pick and roll, at least, um, and putbacks as well. Mark Williams is kind of getting whatever he wanted with Derek Lively, so he was kind of winning that matchup. I don't understand why we didn't feed him the ball more. I'm not saying take the ball away from LaMelo. I'm just saying that, you know, obviously the more LaMelo continues to hit, the the, the tighter the defense will get on him. So then, you know, you would have to look for other people. Um and they just didn't do that. They Steve Clifford and, and staff did not adjust to Gordon Hayward missing. 
Um, I get Gordon Hayward was open. Trust me, I do. He he was he was wide open on some of these attempts, but he was not hitting. And I could understand if he was the only guy hitting. So if Lamelo continued to have the game he was having from the field, then I would understand. Um, but like I said, you had Mark Williams kind of getting whatever he wanted. Uh, PJ Washington was extremely extremely efficient, and then in the fourth quarter they just stopped giving they just stopped giving him the ball. Like he just he just wasn't a part of the offense anymore. And this is before he got injured, so that was frustrating. It was just frustrating to see because, once again, completely understand that Gordon Hill was open, completely understand that, you know, you're hoping he would hit eventually. But I'm I'm telling you, it was three to four, maybe even five consecutive shots. He just clanked. Um, and when you have someone like LaMelo going off and the defense still didn't get quite tighter on him yet, I, I would like to I would like the team to kind of pivot and use him more. It's like, Gordon Hill, I know you're open, but. You know, you're just not hitting. You're not hitting for us right now. And, you're, and honestly, you're taking away possessions from us by, you know, we're getting to you early in the shot clock, but it's because you're wide open and then you miss. And then that allows uh, the Mavericks to go on a fast break. So I think that, you know, we could have maybe took our time with the offense a little more and just set up some plays because we had three other guys who were playing extremely well offensively. Um, and then even Brandon Miller, I, if you look back at his shots, his shot selection just wasn't the best. And sometimes that wasn't his fault. Uh, there was, I think there was two where the shot clock was going down. So he just kind of tossed it up. There was one where he kind of had a little pocket and he kind of leaned and, but he just missed. Um, fine. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens. You're not going to make every shot. So, I would even trust him a little more in that scenario than Gordon Hayward at the time, because going into the quarter, I completely got it. Gordon Hayward was on fire. Like he was able to get in, he was able to get to where he wanted on the floor. That's one of the things I admire about his game. He was able to get to where he wanted to on the floor, hit a shot. He just wasn't doing that. It just stopped. It just stopped. They didn't allow him to dribble as much. Um, and I think that that's kind of what took it away because he wasn't able to get into those pockets. Um, a lot of it was just catch and shoot opportunities wide open. He just was missing them. Uh, so I feel like you had to find other ways and, and the team did not adjust to that, and which is ridiculous. And then we go to add up to uh, the final play, the, the out-of-bounds play, where basically Brandon Miller is the one taking out the ball. You have Teo Maldon, Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, and Mark Williams on the floor. And like I said, Brandon Miller taking out the ball. You don't have any timeouts. I think we're down by one or so. And we could not get the ball in, got the five seconds. First, it was the longest five-second violation I think I've ever – oh, quickest five-second violation I think I've ever seen. Besides the point, if you look at the play, the play design to me was not good. Um, I know some people say, you know, they didn't mind it. I just didn't like it. One little ball set the screen. Do not understand why the guy who is single handedly almost keeping you in the game is setting the screen. And I know it was really to kind of maybe, maybe get him open. But I don't know. I feel like there was other ways you could do that. I, I just feel as though, especially in the manner in which he was setting the screen. So it was like a double screen uh, where uh, Mark Williams was setting a screen at top. LaMelo was basically like right next to him trying to set another screen and to be able to get open and to go into the corner. I don't like that corner shot, especially coming towards uh, Brandon Miller, but also on, on top of that, like I said, it was just a bundled up mess. And considering LaMelo is the hot hand, I don't understand why you put him in a position to where anything could happen. He could have got tangled up. He could have he could have tripped and fell. Like we see in those particular scenarios where that happens, and there's no foul call just because it's so much going on. It's like if if the refs want to be technical about it, they have to call foul based on every player on the court in those type of plays. Um, it, it just 
you just never know what could happen. So I don't understand why the guy who, like I said, is basically single single handedly kind of keeping you alive in this game is set up to set a screen in that way. Um, also, you have Teo Maldon out there, which I don't mind because at this point, PJ Washington's hurt. Of course, Terry Rozier is not in the game, so it does affect your uh, lineup a little bit. But Tail didn't add anything to that play. And, and not just him. It's not his fault. It's anyone who would have been in that position. I don't care if it was Terry or PJ or whatever. Um, they just didn't do anything for the play. Like that person was designed to do nothing. And I understand that sometimes that happens. But considering this is where it, it's not Tail's fault, but the personnel was the problem. Considering it was Tail, he's not a threat. Um, so I feel like that didn't really help much. He didn't really draw anybody away. He didn't really add, like I said, once again, add anything to the play. The only thing he added was um, he was able to pull someone from the far deep side, the other side of the court from Brandon Miller for Gordon Hayward to kind of wrap around. However, I don't even like that because, yes, maybe Gordon Hayward was open for a brief second. I don't quite remember. But one, it's a cross-court pass. Two, you have a rookie inbound. In it. And three, Gordon Hayward wasn't hitting all game, well, all fourth quarter. So I just don't understand kind of the thought process. Uh, I just I just didn't like the play call. And, and maybe I'll like it more in a different scenario. Maybe I'll like it more with a different personnel. But what, what we had out there and just the scenario we were in, it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, but if you're a basketball aficionado, you know more about sets and plays than I do, then please let me know. I just didn't quite understand it. Um, and then to, I mean, the main part of it is the five second call. The Hornets protect rookies from everything. We saw LaMelo Ball not start, even though Devontae Graham was the point guard before him. And as good as, you know, as much as people like Devontae, I like Devontae as well. He was, he was, uh, he was a what a liability on defense. He couldn't finish at the rim. Um, he was shooting very well, but and that's it. I mean, he he was a decent passer, but it just there was no reason for. I think a six man role would have been better for him. Um, in Lamelo start, but whatever the case may be, they didn't start Lamelo, which fine. It's it's whatever at this point. Water under the bridge. Um, and then you saw what we saw with Mark Williams last year, where they put him in the G League, and yeah, it kind of worked out for him, but still. And my point in saying all that is that the Hornets, whatever they do, they always try to remove rookies from positions uh, of of that nature. Uh, as far as Brandon Miller inbounding the ball. I don't know why all of a sudden this time it's like, oh, we can we can do that. And I and I think Brandon Miller's a very poised rookie. I think very Brandon Miller's a very mature rookie. Um I, I don't really have a problem necessarily with him being the inbounder in that case. It's more so with the play design, no timeouts. It, it that that's where I'm saying, like it, it that's where you always protecting rookies, but this time you just kind of let him be out there. And I, I, that is what I didn't agree with. I didn't agree with it because the play took a long time to develop. Um, like I said, you don't have any timeouts. You have a rookie inbound in the ball. And then also on top of that, the person closest to the rookie is the two-time player who really is, hasn't even played a whole season yet. And that's Mark Williams. So he didn't, I don't think he really understood that he could, he could have just went to the ball and they, they had like eight seconds. So they had time to kind of get something working. Um, that's another thing about the play. Well, the play seemed very short-sighted as far as this is we're going to get Lamella open. He's he's supposed to shoot as soon as he gets in this corner. And there was like eight seconds left. We we could have ran a better play to get someone open, to get Lamello in space, to get him a better match. We could have did something like that. But that play seemed like it was like a we have 1.2 seconds left to get a shot off type play. Um, 
and it like I said, just didn't like it overall. But I oh, as far as the game as a whole, I think the team played excellent. That's all I really asked for. Those are losses I can deal with. Um, as a fan, of course, I really just get mad when there's lack of effort, lack of trying. I don't think we had that here. I think this team, you know, did a lot of what they can do. Um, it just they just fell short. And against a team that's like the against a team like the Mavericks, who I think is a good team, completely understand. I'm completely okay with it. So now we move on to the next two games against the Washington Wizards. Uh these are these are must wins. They're not must wins because I'm going to assume the season's over if they lose. They're not must wins because um I can't even think of another reason why it would be a must win. Uh but the reason it is a must win is because the Washington Wizards are not good at all. At all. They're, they're a really good offensive team. They're literally the worst defensive team in the league, one of the worst rebounding teams, if not the worst rebounding team in the league, um, as we're one of the worst defensive teams in the league as well. But that's neither here nor there right now because it still doesn't change the fact that a Hornets should be able to beat this team. And that's why it's a must win. Both games. Both games. Because if you're telling me that we're a playoff team, we had the players saying it, we have the coaches saying it, we have all these people saying it, then I I don't see why you don't win these two games. Um even if you're missing Terry. Because we are missing Terry. And I know that that's not part of, you know, the vision when you say this team's a playoff team. And we're in this case also, you're missing Miles because when you're thinking of this team being a playoff team, Miles is in that picture. It just it's the Wizards, man. And we saw Granted, Terry was active, but we saw how it was in preseason, and it is preseason. I get it, but we saw how it was in preseason when it was our starters versus their starters. We ran the table on them. They, there was nothing they could do to stop us. This time is going to be a little different because you know we're missing Terry. We, you know, whatever the case may be, but I just don't see it. I don't see how there is a way that you lose this game. You have Nick Richards, who's supposed to be. Like I keep saying for last year, statistically one of the best offensive rebounders in basketball. Um, and is is someone that we've seen have close to 20 rebounds. I think he's had a 20 rebound game. It was like the first game of last season, maybe. I don't remember, but we see Nick Richards be highly, highly effective uh, when it comes to crashing the boards. Mark Mark Williams as well, highly effective crashing the boards. Mark Williams doesn't miss shots. I think he has like the highest field goal percentage in the league. There's no one that um Washington has to stop him necessarily. The only person that could stop Mark Williams is himself for foul trouble um, in this game. And that may be because he's trying to block everything, but the Washington Wizards are very like perimeter teams. So I'm going to, I'm going to need our perimeter guys to step up. I know Brandon Miller will probably guard pool. Maybe he might guard Kuzma. Um, I don't, I don't know because pool's a little quick and shifty. Kuzma is someone who, you know, if you don't guard him, he can drop 30 on you as well. So maybe they put Brandon Miller on Kuzma. I don't know. We'll see. But it's just it's just an important game. The matchup is in our favor. I understand we are injured. I understand we're missing Terry. Um, but there's still no way we should lose this game. Either one, especially the one on Wednesday because it's at home. Friday, it's away. Once again, you'll probably be missing Terry. It, it's a little tricky. That one's a little tricky. But for the most part, I don't think we should lose. Um, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say LaMelo is back just because of the game he had last game. I hope so. 
but you know, I don't know for sure. And um, I, yeah, I mean, that's really it. There's really not much to say about these games because it's just it should be a done deal. Now, if the Hornets win like by five or three, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, we still suck. No, the point is to win this game because at the end of the day, we are missing Terry. At the end of the day, you know, we don't have our full complete roster of what we envision of being a playoff team. So I'm not asking for a blowout, but you should win. Any adversity you face against this team, you should be able to um, fight through it and win the game. You're a more talented team, even though you are missing two key players. Even though you don't have two, like of what you envision your playoff roster to be, you don't have two of those players. And I just don't understand how we could lose this game. I don't. It would it would have to be we come out weak. That's the only way we lose this game. Because the one thing about the Wizards, specifically about Poole and Kuzma, is once they start hitting, it's hard for them to stop. Once they start hitting their shots, it's not going to be easy to get them out of their rhythm. Especially with Poole, just because of the fact that He's able to hit from anywhere. Once he's on, he's on. So the Hornets are just going to have to come out and just be ready to play. You can't not take this team lightly because they feed on the pressure they can put on you offensively. They don't give a they don't they don't care about defense. They really don't. And I mean, it's a young team. They're not really expected to do anything. Um, it's more of like a rebuilding year, especially considering you didn't get back really what you wanted for Beal. Um, you feel like you got more back for Chris Paul than you got for Beal, but you didn't really get what you wanted for Beal. You're trying to make up for that. You're just trying to be a fun team and fun teams for people who are not like me are highly touted, you know, offensive teams. And that's what they are. So we cannot let them get start hitting their shots. We cannot let them see that ball go in early or else it's going to be a problem for us because we know once we get punched in the mouth, it's hard for us to fight back. Um, so that that being, that's really all I got to say. We we have to adjust. We have to adjust. They don't have anybody to protect the paint. They don't have anybody to rebound. They don't have anybody to really live in the paint offensively or defensively. We have to take advantage of that. If we force those guys off the off the three-point line, run them off the three-point line, make them funnel towards Nick Richards or Mark Williams, we should win this game. If we continue to use Mark Williams and have him be a key person, I know people are looking for LaMelo to break out. I completely understand. I'm looking for it too. But in this particular game, you got to understand your matchup. And this team has nothing to stop the paint. Now, if it's not working – then all, all tens of purposes switch out. Let, let's let's uh you know start going for the perimeter where we have Brandon Miller, where we have Lamella Ball, where we have Gordon Hayward, PJ. We have these guys, but early and often until it doesn't work, we need to feed Nick Richards, Mark Williams. Uh, we need to attack the basket because they don't they don't have anyone there. And I know some people aren't going to like that, but it's the it's the truth. They don't have anyone there to stop it. So the best thing you can do is continue to score in the paint. That's the best thing you can do against this team. I know, once again, I know I, I completely understand how people may say, you know, we're waiting for LaMelo. We're, you know, we need to hit a perimeter shot because we're not, we're still not quite where we need to be uh, front of the perimeter. That will come. I promise you. I, if Mark continues, if Mark dominates in the paint, they're going to start helping. And then Mark has, Mark has the passing ability, in my opinion. Nick Richards does not, not yet at least, but. I don't even know if that would happen, but Mark Williams is an underrated passer, in my opinion. He has the ability to get it out to the open man, depending on where they are, of course. Um, no, nothing, cra- no crazy passes, but we can. they're going to help. It's going to leave PJ open. It's going to leave LaMelo open. It's going to leave Brandon open. So 
just continue to attack the basket. You have to adjust to the team you're playing. That that is what's going to be great for the Charlotte Hornets. Is that we? I feel like at our best, we do cause a lot of mismatches for teams. We do. We there are a lot of teams we can we can create mismatches for just because of you know how we are. Um, I do feel like our roster could be a little better, but I do feel like we can slightly be a, mi- a mismatch nightmare. We're one of the teams where we can catch really good teams off guard because we do have certain matchups in certain places. We have a really tall guard in Lamella who can he's he's really good creating for himself, but he's also even better at catch and shoot. We have Terry Rozier, who's one of the best off ball scores in the league statistically if you look it up and look at like it's obviously not last season but like the season before and I think probably this season at least turn the eye test he is very he moves very well without the ball and we know that you know teams struggle with that we have Mark Williams who is once again is an underrated passer a pretty I think he's pretty good in the paint he does get bullied sometimes but once again we haven't seen, seen a full year of him yet so still time PJ has been a three level scorer this year so we we have it we just need to use it and we cannot continue to try to run the same game plan if we know there's going to be a blatant mismatch coming into this game. Um, and this is just game one. Game two, of course, the Wizards are probably going to try to adjust. And then that's what's going to open it up for LaMelo. That's what's going to open it up for Brandon Miller. But early and often, we have to feed uh, Mark Mark Williams, Nick Richards. And if we're unable to do that, we need to attack the basket. There, there's not anyone that could stop us. Kyle Kuzma is a little better defender you know, than some people give him credit for. But Jordan Poole is not. LaMelo, take him to the hole. You, you've been doing it. Uh, you've been really good at being able to at least get yourself to the basket. I know the finishing has been kind of iffy, but he gets there. Um, you continue to do that, it's going to start falling. So that that's what I feel like we need to play an inside-out game. But let me know what you think. Uh, down in the comment section below if you listen to this on YouTube. Um, and if you're listening to any this podcast anywhere else you listen to podcasts, then make sure you let me know there as well. Also, follow me on Twitter at TrustBuzz, T-R-U-Z-Z-B-U-Z-Z, where I talk everything Charlotte Hornets. I talk a little college basketball. I talk a little Carolina Panthers. I talk a little bit about everything. So uh, yeah, just go ahead and follow me there. But yeah, I, I think these are must-win games just because if we are going to be the team we set ourselves out to be, these are the games you got to win. These are the games you got to win right now. Currently, how the roster is, and not quite seeing where Miles Bridges is, and we're already dealing with one injury, even though it's not as bad as what we thought it would be. Um, I'm worried about kind of like the bottom half of the NBA as far as these are the teams we need to beat, like the Rockets, the Pacers. Uh, we should have beat the Nets, in my opinion. Uh, these are teams we kind of got to beat. I we will worry about the you know Celtics Warriors Nuggets all of them when we kind of get an idea of what this team actually looks like and how this team is actually going to perform. So if we lose those games, we lose those games. Those teams are really good and they're really good for a reason. We're not that good uh, as compared to them. But these other teams, Wizards, um, who I can't think of other teams off the top of my head. The Memphis Grizzlies are right now, uh, Atlanta Hawks, even even though we beat them the first game of the season. Teams like that are kind of like in that middle, that middle part. I would even say the Knicks, even though the Knicks do they they're able to turn it on and off. But I think that you know we that's a team we can beat. Um, I'm not saying they're like the Wizards, but I'm saying they're in that like caliber of they're not the upper echelon. These are teams we got to take advantage of. We got to win these games if we want any chance of being a relevant team come April. Um, but once again, let me know what you're thinking down in the comment section below. Thank you so much for listening, and um, I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Introducing Wonder Sweep from Bluehost.com. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. 